You can check out anytime you like, the song says, but you can never leave. Obviously, this isn't a tune written about the Mineral Springs Hotel in Alton, but I mean, it could have been. This hotel is a place that is literally haunted by its past. The remnants of yesterday linger into the present within its walls, and even though no guests have stayed the night in its rooms in decades, you almost expect to see them strolling through the lobby. Traces of those old days remain intact. They linger as shadowy corridors, ominous staircases, tile floors flecked with Italian marble, ornate trim, and even as the hotel's old safe, which remains on display. Much has changed at the Mineral Springs since it opened more than a century ago, but if you stand in the lobby when the lighting is just right, you almost expect to see those ghosts in old-fashioned clothing as they hurry past on their way to a mineral cure or to have a cocktail in the hotel bar. And if all the stories about this place are true, they still do. Welcome to a special alternative podcast from American Hauntings, which is dedicated to bringing you the history, hauntings, legends, lore, and the dark side of our hometown, Alton, Illinois. We've returned home to Alton for a special limited season of shows that takes us back to the very beginning of the podcast. We've got updates and a lot of new stories to go along with season one of American Hauntings, which delved into our local history and hauntings. But now we've got updates, history, and additional stories from Alton's past based on the new edition of my book, Haunted Alton. And we wanted to bring some of those new stories to our listeners. So we hope you enjoy episode 10, the last episode in the season from one of the most haunted small towns in America, Alton, Illinois. The Mineral Springs Hotel would never have existed if not for the hard work of three men. Herman Lure, his brother August, and A.F. Ratz, the general manager of Alton's Illini Hotel. The Lures, German immigrants, businessmen, and successful meat packers, had arrived in Alton in 1881. Both had come to America a few years earlier and initially settled in St. Louis, where they opened a butcher shop. But August grew concerned about the health of his frail wife in the crowded city and moved to Alton, where he found a clean, growing town with excellent business opportunities. Herman joined him in Illinois two years later. The brothers established themselves with local farmers, posting daily hog prices at the packing plant, and with Alton retail customers, the chili, ham, sausage, and lard products produced by the Lures brothers became local favorites. Business flourished, and the brothers founded Alton Banking and Trust and made fortunes in local real estate. The site on 2nd Street that eventually became the hotel started as a butcher shop. Then in 1910, the Lures brothers decided to expand and open an ice making and cold storage facility. During the initial excavations though, the workers discovered a natural spring. The water from the spring had a strange smell. It turned out to have a high sulfur content and it was suggested that it might have medicinal properties. Health spas that offered mineral baths were all the rage in the Midwest in those days, but the Lures brothers only knew about meatpacking, real estate, and construction. They didn't know anything about operating a hotel. The construction of the cold storage building came to a halt. And that was when AF Rats entered the picture. 
He managed the most upscale hotel in town at the time, the Illini, overseeing every aspect of its operation. His attention to detail earned him a lot of praise from Alton City leaders and businessmen who gravitated to the Illini's luxurious hotel bar. It was here that Rats became acquainted with the Lures brothers. Rats knew the results of the water testing at their construction site, and in 1913, he approached the Lures with a bold idea. Since mineral water spas were becoming more and more popular throughout the Midwest, he suggested they build a hotel and allow him to manage it for them. He would create a European experience for the guests, a destination hotel with all the comforts, furnishings, and cuisine to rival any of the finest hotels in the region. August Rats knew about running hotels, but the Lures brothers knew about construction and business. He proposed that they finance a $100,000 luxury hotel and spa. Yeah, that's $2.6 million today. At the source of the mineral water, He'd oversee the work, import the necessary furniture, artwork, and supplies, and then market and manage the hotel. He was convinced the location in Alton could draw guests away from existing mineral spas in Missouri, Arkansas, and Indiana, and he proposed a simple name, the Alton Mineral Springs Hotel. Augustine Herman knew that Ratz was the only person in the area with the knowledge and skill to turn this European vision into reality, and so they agreed. It was decided the hotel operation would belong to Rats, but the building itself would belong to the Lords Brothers. Ground was broken on the new hotel on October 14, 1913. The hotel plans resembled an Italian villa and rose five stories with two more levels underground on Front Street in the rear of the structure. The main entrance would have two levels above Second Street in the front. A water bottling plant was built first in what became the lowest sub-basement in the building. A hotel itself was built on top of it, layer by layer. The building was covered in beige stucco and had a tile roof. The interior was ornate, with marble staircases, Italian terrazzo floors, decorative plaster cornices, and art glass throughout. According to the plans, a summer beer garden was supposed to be located in the center of the building, but this idea was dropped in favor of 40 additional rooms. The hotel would also add a dining area called the Crystal Room, a barber shop, cigar store, saloon, and later a ballroom. During the construction, Rats gave numerous interviews to the press, especially about the mineral water baths and cures he planned to offer. In those days, there were no laws or limits about what you could say when advertising. The wild claims that rats made about the curative powers of the spring were no worse than those made about most medicines at the time. Before the hotel even opened, he managed to plant stories about the mysterious water found there in many publications. One newspaper story proudly announced that an Alton plumber named P.C. Corkamp had been miraculously cured of a year-long case of the hiccups just from drinking the spring water. In the same way it was built, the hotel opened in stages. The first part of the building to be unveiled to the public was the swimming pool beneath the lobby on July 13, 1914. The pool was filled with mineral water from the spring below. It was said to be the largest indoor swimming pool in the state of Illinois at the time, and it would go on to become a great attraction. Many parties and receptions would be held in the pool area where hotel guests swam for free. The public could swim for a small admission fee, and it became a popular place for swimming lessons, water polo, diving contests, and numerous events for Alton children and local orphans. A second pool was also built that was exclusive for men. 
It was essentially a Turkish bath where men could swim, take steam baths, and get massages in a place where women weren't allowed. It was located in the back of the building along Front Street and one level above the bottling plant. The pools drew crowds, but the water itself was the main attraction. It was advertised as performing remarkable cures for all kinds of ailments, including arthritis and rheumatism, both of which were likely eased by the high sulfur content in the spring. However, many other alleged cures were much more dubious. The mineral water was extolled as a cure for headaches, colds, muscle aches, impotence, baldness, and even as a cure for alcoholism. In fact, the so-called drunk cure offered at the hotel became famous. A newspaper article from 1914 quoted one believer in the power of the water that said, I know for a fact that a drink or two of it will, in the course of an hour or two, completely sober the drunkest man you ever saw. Thanks to Rat's very savvy advertising, water from the Mineral Springs was shipped to customers as far away as Memphis and New Orleans. By July 1914, the basement plant was bottling and selling more than 100 bottles every day. Consumption of the water increased that year to 350 gallons weekly, and Rats boasted that its curative power equaled that of water found in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Not that that's all that big of a boast. Anyway, once the hotel officially opened in September with a ceremony that included a dinner that showcased August Rats' culinary skills, people from all over the Midwest began pouring into Alton to partake of the hotel's healing waters. During its heyday, the pool attracted more than 3,000 people every season. The hotel hosted politicians, fraternal organizations, celebrity guests like Admiral Richard Byrd, the explorer who reached the North and South Poles by air, and Hollywood actress Marie Dressler. She came to Alton to promote liberty loans during World War I. By then, the Mineral Springs was the social center of Alton. An orchestra had been hired to play during dinner in the evenings and on Sunday afternoon. Civic organizations, school groups, and many others held banquets and dances at the hotel. The place thrived, as did the swimming pool, which closed only one time during the Great Depression because of a lack of guests and paid admissions. But not all was well. After a botched cataract surgery, August Ratz's health began to decline, and in 1926, he became so sick he sold his interest in the hotel to Arthur M. Cooper, who owned several hotels in St. Louis. Ratz died a short time later. Cooper kept the hotel until 1932, when he sold out to the Lures Brothers. They'd recently bought the rest of the 300 block of 2nd Street, so taking over the business located in a building they already owned seemed the natural next step. They never wanted to be in the hotel business, but somehow they ended up there anyway. The Lures hired two general managers over the next seven years, Edgar Steubens in 1932 and V.R. Nelson in 1937. But during their ownership in the 1930s, the two brothers were impacted by events much greater than operating the hotel. Not the least of which was the kidnapping of August Lure in 1933. The 70-year-old businessman was taken from his home on July 10th and held in a dirt basement near the town of Madison for five days. Initially, the gang of morons who grabbed him had demanded a $100,000 ransom for his safe return. They'd sent the demands to August's son, William, who was the president of Alton Banking and Trust. When William didn't immediately reply, the demands went down to $20,000 and then down to $10,000. 
The delay wasn't caused by Williams' unwillingness to pay. It was because the ransom letters were so poorly written and the directions so confusing, he wouldn't have been able to deliver the ransom even if he'd wanted to. Well, as it turned out, the ransom was never paid. August convinced the kidnappers after telling them about his history of heart problems, they should just let him go. And they did. The dummies were an East Alton gambler, a farmer, a burglar who called himself the Dice Box Kid, and an ex-con named Irish Mike O'Malley. <laughs> and yeah, they were easily caught. During the Depression, kidnappings were popular with outlaws. Bankers, businessmen, and brewers, anyone with money might become a target for a gang that found kidnapping an easier way to make cash than a bank robbery. August Lure was just one of many victims, but he was lucky. His kidnappers were much more clueless than most. August Lure lived another 18 years after the kidnapping. His brother Herman, though, was not so lucky. He died in 1939. Within days of his death, Herman J. Junk, the husband of Lillian, who was Herman Lure's youngest daughter, was in charge of the Mineral Springs. And this began the slow decline of the once luxurious hotel. Herman Junk managed the hotel assisted by Lillian for many years. Eventually, most of the family would be involved, including their only daughter, Bertha, and their youngest son, Charles. The family operated the hotel until it closed in 1971, but honestly, it was lucky to have made it that long. While mismanagement contributed to the hotel's eventual collapse, other factors also played a role. After World War II, federal agencies forced the hotel, the same as they did others like it around the country, to stop bottling the water and making unsubstantiated claims about its healing powers. Changes in lifestyle, tourism, and economic conditions also took their toll. In the 1950s, the new interstate system bypassed the region's small towns, leading to fewer travelers coming to Alton. Those who did come tended to stay in the cheaper, more conveniently located motels along the main highways. By 1960, railroad travel and traveling salesmen had become mostly things of the past. Formal affairs like those presided over by August Rats had vanished with the glamour and spectacle of the old mineral springs. People wanted shiny, new, quick, and convenient, none of which the hotel could offer. Many of the hotel rooms were unofficially converted to house transients on a weekly or monthly basis or even became permanent residences. Several elderly guests moved into suites on the first floor. Lillian tried unsuccessfully to save the hotel by adding a ballroom and conference area at the rear of the building. She did this by borrowing an absurd $500,000 for the construction. The family was unable to pay it back. On September 2nd, 1969, the Alton Savings and Loan Association foreclosed on the Mineral Springs Hotel. The bank hired a company to manage the building while the hotel's affairs were sorted out over the next 18 months. And during this time, the building literally began to fall apart. The dining room had already been closed after failing numerous state health inspections, and the residents that were there on a permanent basis were forced to move out. The whole building was eventually condemned. Paint was peeling off the walls, the roof was leaking in numerous spots, and the ceiling was collapsing in others. The massive old structure, stretching from the former hotel at one end of the block to the parking garage at the other, set dark empty and abandoned for the next seven years. Finally, in 1978, it was purchased by a real estate developer named Roger Schubert, 
turned the building into a downtown shopping mall of sorts. It offered a variety of different stores, a Chinese restaurant, and for a time, even a nightclub. But the next few years weren't kind to the Mineral Springs, or even to Alton in general. The loss of industry in the area led to a decline in population, and as the town's economy slowed down, so did business at the Mineral Springs. It wouldn't be revived again until there were further renovations in the 1990s and when Bob Love bought the building and brought in new business. He ran his own real estate office from the building for several years. More owners and managers followed and more decline and resurgence too. As of this podcast, the Mineral Springs is probably being better cared for than it's been in decades and hopefully that'll continue for many years to come. The former Mineral Springs Hotel has become a fixture in downtown Alton, across the St. Louis region, and even across the country. But its fame these days has nothing to do with miracle cures and mineral baths. Since the late 1970s, it's been known for its ghosts. The stories of ghosts at the Mineral Springs are numerous. So numerous, there's no way to recount them all in a single episode of the podcast. Your best bet is to experience the place yourself. And if you can't do that, I'll do my best to bring you the highlights. There are many lingering spirits here. Some of them are likely guests who simply never checked out, while others seem to be drawn here, perhaps by the history, perhaps by the water beneath the building, or maybe both. The spirits of the Mineral Springs wander the corridors and hang out in empty rooms. They pace the floors, create noise, and make a nuisance of themselves by turning off lights, slamming doors, and unnerving the unsuspecting visitors. While ghostly encounters may have happened in the building as far back as the 1920s or 30s, there aren't any records of them. Most of the stories seem to get their start in the 1970s when the hotel reopened. And when those who encountered them had little or no access to historical records, newspapers, stories, or research materials. How do I know this? Well, hang in there. One legend claimed that the ghost of an itinerant artist haunted the hotel's old saloon, which was located next to the hotel lobby. He couldn't pay his bar tab, so in exchange, he painted a mural of the city of Alton on the wall. But the story claims he died before it was finished and that his ghost has remained in the saloon ever since. It was here people began reporting him in 1978. Aside from the fact that staff members apparently did start encountering the ghost in the hotel bar, there isn't much else about this legend that's true. A mural was painted in the hotel bar in 1932, but it was completed and even restored in 1978. In fact, it's still there today. There's no record or even a second or third-hand account of any itinerant artist whose ghost might have stayed behind. So how did this story get started? The hotel bar is said to be haunted. That much is true. But in the 1970s, there was no way to research the hotel's history. No one had any idea who the lingering specter might be. The story of the artist was suggested as a joke. It turns out, though, there's nothing funny about what did happen in the saloon on November 15th, 1916. You might recall that one of the many benefits to the water beneath the Mineral Springs Hotel was its so-called ability to cure alcoholism. August Rats even marketed a drunk cure to guests, boasting that the water could not only sober you up, but if you took part in a particular regimen, it would curb your desire to drink altogether. 
Well, this news was greeted with excitement by a farm implement dealer from Carrollton, Illinois, named L.M. Harwood. He'd once had a prosperous life, a loving wife, several children, and a thriving business, but he'd lost it all because he couldn't stop drinking. He believed the Mineral Springs could be the solution to his problem, so he checked in for the drunk cure, only to find that it didn't work. When he left the hotel lobby on the morning of November 15th, he entered the hotel's saloon from the door on the street. He sat down in the first booth and then pulled a gun and some papers from his pocket. He placed them on the table, then picked up the revolver, pointed it at his chest, and pulled the trigger. The bartender, Robert Spence, was the only witness to the shooting, but there was nothing he could do to stop it. Janitor William Banks, who was mopping the floor at the time, heard the gunshot, but didn't see Harwood until he fell out of the booth. He rushed over, but the man was beyond saving. Harwood let out an eerie moan, but made no other sound before he died. The papers scattered on the table were notes about his life, his death, and what to do with his body. After the hotel reopened in the 1970s, the former saloon became a clothing store. It wasn't long before staff members began to talk about a problem customer, a man who stood around and stared at people, never buying anything, and smelled like a distillery. Assuming he'd walked in from one of the taverns down the street, they tried to politely ask him to leave, but every time someone approached him, they find he just wasn't there anymore. They check around the clothing racks and the dressing room, but he was gone, only to return again another day and disappear once again. And the story of the ghost of an itinerant artist was born. But there really had been a death that occurred in the former hotel bar. It hadn't been a mythical artist. It was a real person. Even so, the sad but true story of L.M. Harwood had been forgotten over the years. And the phantom that lingered in the place was given the identity of a fictional man whose work was left unfinished. I believe what was really left unfinished here was the life of a man who left his wife a widow and his children without a father. The story of L.M. Harwood and his ghost is a tragedy of this old hotel. But it wouldn't be the last. One of the most haunted locations in the hotel is, without question, the old swimming pool below the lobby. During the glory days of the Mineral Springs, thousands of people passed through this area of the building. They swam, played, and immersed themselves in the healing waters that came from the earth. They also, it seems, left a little bit of themselves behind. The eerie pool area, which has long been dark and abandoned, has been the source of many strange stories. Footsteps have been heard on the concrete and tile surrounding the pool. People have been touched by unseen hands or have seen apparitions of people who simply aren't there. A former staff member was outside the pool one afternoon and heard water splashing on the other side of the locked door. Knowing he was alone in the building, he quickly stepped into the room and turned on the light. The room he discovered was empty. However, when he looked down, he saw a line of wet footprints leading away from the pool, crossing several feet of concrete and then disappearing. It should be noted that at the time this occurred, the pool had been empty for decades. It hadn't been used since a fire broke out there in 1961. There's a serious crack in the bottom. It wouldn't hold water even if you wanted it to. So what lingering spirits haunt the old swimming pool? Well, the legends say that a man was at a party in the pool area with his wife back in the 1920s. During a heated argument with her, he was accidentally knocked into the pool and drowned. 
And since that time, he's haunted this area of the hotel, reportedly waiting for his wife's spirit to return so he can take revenge on her for his death. And then there's that little girl. Legends also say that a child drowned in the pool in the 1920s, and she's been here ever since, looking for people to play with her so she isn't lonely during the eternity that apparently awaits her in the swimming pool at the Mineral Springs. These are great, scary stories, but neither of them is true. They've been told to unsuspecting tourists for years with no history to connect them to reality. No man ever drowned in the pool after an argument with his wife and no child ever lost her life in the water. But death did occur in the pool at the Mineral Springs. On August 14, 1918, a 21-year-old sheet metal worker from Granite City, Illinois named Clarence Blair was found dead on the bottom of the pool. Clarence had come to the hotel for swimming lessons, which were widely advertised at the time. Swimming lessons, though, didn't work out well for Clarence. The drowning wasn't discovered until late in the day. A man named Gus Craig had entered the water to recover an object that had fallen into the pool and found Clarence's body lying on the bottom. He pulled the young man to the surface, but he was beyond help. The coroner surmised he'd been diving and struck the bottom of the pool. He lost consciousness and drowned. He never struggled, so when his lungs filled with water, his body settled on the bottom of the pool. Could it be Clarence Blair's ghost that so many people have encountered around the pool over the years? I certainly think it is, especially when we consider the ghostly footsteps that have been heard and the apparition of a man who's present one moment and then gone the next. And yes, those are stories I'll vouch for. I was present when both of them took place. I visited the Mineral Springs swimming pool countless times over the years, and I maintain it's one of the creepiest places I've ever been. A few years ago, I even spent the night in the pool, and after midnight, those of us present saw the door to the room swing open and heard hard-soled shoes walking on the concrete as though someone had entered. When we turned on a light, we discovered there was no one there. We were unable to explain what we heard. Then one night, during an Alton Hauntings tour, a friend of mine came along to assist me with a large group we had. Our last stop was the basement of the Mineral Springs. I was recounting my experience with the ghostly footsteps and was doing so while the entire tour group was standing in complete, utter black darkness. <laughs> After the lights were turned back on, my friend began walking through the group, looking at everyone. Then he disappeared through a doorway and I saw his flashlight back in an area where we don't take guests. When he returned, he told me he thought we'd lost someone. He'd seen a man leaning against one of the support pillars around the pool when I turned the lights off, and while the lights were out, the man left. My friend was afraid he was somewhere loose in the building. I asked him to describe the missing man, but when he did, I couldn't recall anyone who looked that way as part of the tour group. But my friend was adamant. The man was there, and now he was gone. A few of the tour guests who were nearby overheard us talking and chimed in. They'd seen the man too, and he looked just the way my friend described. Whoever he'd been, though, he was gone. I neither saw him, and neither did most of the guests, and he didn't turn up after a search of that part of the building. I've come to think this mysterious man may have been Clarence Blair, still hanging around the place he died more than a century ago, and why not? Clarence had lived a pretty ordinary life unable to make much of a mark on the world during the few years he was on this earth. But now, he has people who talk about him, night after night, to hundreds of people every year. Who wouldn't want to listen to people telling your story after all these years? Of course, that's not to say that Clarence haunts the pool by himself. Based on the sheer number of encounters that have taken place in the swimming pool area, it seems there must be a lot of spirits on the loose here. 
In other words, too much happens for it to be just one ghost. The hotel's past may have left behind more than just a ghost or two. Thousands of people pass through even modern hotels every year. At one time, the Mineral Springs greeted thousands of visitors every season, and it did so for nearly 50 years. It's not hard to imagine that all that history has left an impression behind. And of course, there's the water. Water with a high content of minerals. Even today, the building stands on a huge pool of underground water, and water, as we know, conducts energy. So why can't some of the energy from the past remain stored at the hotel just waiting to be stirred up? If the Mineral Springs is like a giant storage batter, saving up sounds and impressions from the past, it's possible those events may play themselves again, like an old film projector, just starting to run all over again. This might explain many of the ghostly sights, sounds, and yes, even smells of the past coming back to life again, so to speak. And I had to mention smells because there's no other ghost as famous as the one that smells, the hotel's infamous Jasmine Lady. Just ask anyone who has spent any time around the Mineral Springs and they'll tell you the Jasmine Lady has haunted the hotel's main staircase for decades. Ask about her story and you'll likely hear that she was a guest at the hotel during its heyday. She traveled to Alton with her husband and was caught in a compromising position with a male guest. In another version of the story, she caught her husband with another woman. Some say she committed suicide. Some say she fell down the staircase because she was so upset, while others say her angry husband pushed her. Regardless of what happened, the various stories agree that she died on the staircase at the Mineral Springs. And since that time, they say she's haunted those stairs. Even when the hotel was still operating, staff members and guests caught glimpses of the woman on the staircase. They saw her, heard her footsteps, and sometimes felt her brush past them. But the most famous aspect of the haunting was the scent of the strong and flowery jasmine perfume. Scores of people experienced it, even a former building owner who assured me he did not believe in ghosts, but yet was puzzled over the phantom smell that had been around since the early 80s. Customers, guests, shop owners all caught whiffs of the eerie jasmine perfume. It seemed to have no explainable source. But was it a ghost or some elaborate 50-year hoax? I mean, I've collected stories that go back as far as the 1980s. Here's the thing, though. Even if the source of the smell is unexplainable, there's a big problem with the story of the woman falling down the stairs. It never happened. There is no record of anyone ever dying on that staircase. Turns out that story was created, you guessed it, in the 1970s, when tenants in the building started encountering the ghost and, well, needed a story to explain it. Luckily, it's much easier to explore the past today than it was back then, or hell, even 10 or 15 years ago. You see, there was a death at the Mineral Springs in 1965 that I believe is linked to the identity of the Jasmine Lady. It was a suicide. She didn't jump or fall down the stairs, but I believe she's never left this hotel. The woman who took her own life was named Pearl Sons, and while we'll never know her entire story, we do know that she checked into the Mineral Springs under an assumed name on Monday, July 12, 1965. Pearl never planned on leaving the hotel alive. By Tuesday night, her husband had reported her missing, but her body was not discovered until Wednesday morning. The hotel's assistant manager forced open the door to her room and discovered her body. 
The coroner later reported that she had taken an overdose of prescription medication. The reason for her suicide remains unknown. We know she was born in New Haven, Illinois, and married George Sons in 1932. They moved to Alton in 1951. Pearl was a housewife, and they had no children. She lived, by any description, an ordinary life, and nothing about it explains why she took such extreme measures to end it. But then again, how well can we ever know another person, especially one who lived and died long before most of us were even born? I believe the quiet desperation of the end of Pearl's life has kept her behind at the Mineral Springs as a ghostly presence. There are many, and I'm not one of them, who claim to have contacted her tragic spirit over the years. Even leaving out the unreliability of alleged psychic communications, strange activity has often been experienced around the room where Pearl died, even by those who know nothing of the poor woman's history. But for years, no one ever connected Pearl to the mysterious Jasmine Lady, that spirit that lingered in the hotel for years without any actual history. And then I met Pearl's nephew. A few years ago, I joined Dave Nunnally, my friend who runs the museum and helps manage the building, on a walk through the hotel with an older man who had grown up living next door to Pearl's sons. She'd been his aunt and she cared for him each day after school until his parents came home. He was deeply affected by her death and was too young to understand it when it happened. All he knew was that Aunt Pearl was there one day and then she was gone and she wasn't ever coming back. His family later moved out of the area, but as he got older, he never forgot Aunt Pearl. He was now visiting relatives in the area and while he'd always know where Aunt Pearl died, he finally felt like he had the nerve to see where it happened. We took him upstairs to the room where Pearl had taken her life. Hotel rooms still exist at the Mineral Springs. There's just nothing left in them now, but the rooms are still there. After going into the room, he became very emotional, crying and sharing stories of his aunt. He told us that she'd suffered from depression and he assumed this is why she'd chosen suicide. Her death had a tremendous effect on his life. Pearl had been a constant presence. She was someone who spent time with him, loved him and made him happy. For Pearl, he'd been a surrogate son, the one she couldn't have. But it turned out to be an offhanded comment that sent a chill up my spine. He mentioned that after leaving Aunt Pearl's house each day, his mother would send him straight to the bathtub before dinner. He said that Pearl wore a strong perfume and his mother hated it. Do you remember what kind of perfume? I asked him. It was something really sweet and flowery. I know that. I remember mom saying it was jasmine. And with that, a man who knew nothing of the haunted history of the Mineral Springs inadvertently solved one of its greatest mysteries, the identity of the jasmine lady. After that, I've always believed that it's Pearl who's been encountered on the staircase, still wearing the signature set she loved so much in life. I mean, can I say this for a fact? No, of course I can't. Maybe it's just wishful thinking on my part, but you have to admit, it would have to be a very big coincidence for the ghost to be someone else. But is it possible? Sure, I guess. Of course it is. Hotels are notorious for ghosts, and the Mineral Springs certainly has many more than the handful of spirits I've mentioned here. The place is probably infested with them. Dozens of the lingering dead whose names and identities will remain a mystery throughout my lifetime and beyond. Who knows? Maybe I'll end up here one day myself, standing in the lobby, 
waiting to check out, but knowing that I can't ever, well, you know how the rest of it goes. Maybe I'll see you around the Mineral Springs one day. Who knows? And maybe you won't see me. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language? And I don't mean like spells or incantations to trap spirits, you weirdos. I mean like a new language that could help you start communicating with more people on this plane today. Then I need to tell you about Rosetta Stone. Look, you know the brand, you know the name. They have the expertise and a 30-year legacy, which makes them more qualified than ever to help you learn a new language today. They've helped millions of people build the fluency and confidence to speak new languages. Now, this is the part where Troy would tell me that I made some kind of grammatical error, but he's not here right now, so like, I don't know, it's like speaking tongues. Rosetta Stone focuses on speaking practice for real-life scenarios to get you ready for real conversations with real people. Or maybe you can even learn how to use some different types of Ouija boards. I don't know. Either way, Rosetta Stone can help you learn faster and retain your new language better. Honestly, Rosetta Stone really would have come in handy for season four of New Orleans because I know we butchered some of those French names and I apologize once again. Now you all know I have a nine to five job when I'm not at the podcast factory and Rosetta Stone actually helped me not make a total fool out of myself while I was in Brazil interviewing celebrities. Obrigado. And now I want to help you. So don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, American Hauntings podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Rosetta Stone, how language is learned. Wait, by the way, Troy, like where do words come from? Hey, no, don't, 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 don't walk away. Oh, Troy, where do words this is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. Okay, reset. All right. Thanks for returning with us to Alton, Illinois, for a special series of podcasts from American Hauntings. We're taking a trip back in time, sort of, to the first season of the show, which collected some of the most famous stories from one of the most haunted small towns in America. But now we're back in Alton for more. Thanks to a lot of new research and Troy's new edition of Haunted Alton, we've got old stories and updates and new stories that are finally seeing the light of day. And by the way, I'm your co-host, Cody Beck. With me is my co-host, author, historian, crime buff, the founder of American Hauntings, Troy Taylor. Hey. Oh, right. dude. Were you... We've done it. We're here. We're at the finish line. Here. Ten more, ten, ten additional episodes on all. So, yeah. our last one. Yes. Yeah. Next so. time we have an idea like this. Yeah. Let's think about it some more. Tell us. We... Yeah. One of us tell the other one just to shut the hell up about it. Um, no, this has been fun. No, it it's has been, been fun. It's been a lot of work, but it's been fun. Yeah, it has. Um, oh man, this. Uh, 
Well, let's kind of dive right in. Um, this I think I've told you this before, but um, this, that song creeps my sister out mostly specifically because of that line. About, I, I, you know, well, you, I, 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 I told you that I mean, I think we maybe talked about this before too, but um, I still remember I, I don't even know what what year it was, how old I was, but I it I had to have been something like maybe 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. And I used to go to bed every night with when radio was still worthwhile. Um, I would go to bed with the radio on at mm-hmm. night. And uh, so the station I normally listened to was WLS in Chicago back when they played music, you know, it was a top 40 station. And um, I woke up and it was like two o'clock in the morning and Hotel California was on. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I'd heard the song before because, you know, it was a standard play around the house. But for whatever reason, at two o'clock in the morning, when it got to that song and those and then this, the, the images that it that brought up like that um it freaked me out too yeah. i still remember being like oh my god you know i'm not gonna go i'm not gonna get back to sleep now you know wow <laughs> that's that's amazing yeah she, she's always just like i hate that song and, uh, i love um, the song but boy it freaked me out when i was a kid so. yeah it's a great it's i mean it's a great story and it's a great song and great music but yeah that is a creepy <laughs> creepy line i love it uh like i mentioned we're done we're kind of we kind of come full circle a little bit. Now we're back to God. What was this episode two of season one? Yeah, when we did Mineral Springs. Pretty early. I can't remember, but it was yeah. pretty early. Yeah. So, uh, but we're we're back. Um, and doing this outline for this one was um, it was kind of nostalgic for me because a lot of the reason I wanted to start the podcast and kind of how we initially did it was history versus hauntings, mm. and you really mapped that out with these three ghost stories that we're going to talk about. Um, because, you know, yeah, we definitely, we don't talk, we're basically like, Hey, we don't know, but here's what happened. Yeah. And and that's always been my thing. You know, there are so many ghost stories uh, about lots of places, but the mineral Springs, a perfect example of this. There are so many experiences and encounters and things that people have had in the place that, you know, I can't say one way or the other, are they true? Not true. I mean, they're told us as the truth. So they're given to us as a firsthand account. So the three ghosts, that we can talk about that we know about. I, I don't see how they would do everything right, right. that is connected to this building. But these are the ones we have documentation for. You know, we we know that this guy drowned in the pool. You know, we know this. There's no record of anyone else drowning in the pool. Now, could someone else have died there? Possibly, mm-hmm. but there's no record of it. We don't have any documentation of it. So I can present what I know and then, you know, leave the rest of it up to conjecture because yeah. there's probably been or at least other experiences or maybe it is the water. Maybe it is the stone that makes these things happen. You know, maybe it's just um, that's what attracts this energy to the place. I mean, it is an unusual place and that water is still sitting there underneath this old building that used to be a hotel. So what I always try to do is to to provide I don't I don't ever want to walk around and say, well, you know. Well, so and so this this little girl fell in the pool and drowned. Well, there's no record of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, did some psychic come in and say they they sensed it? I don't know, but that should be presented that way. Of course, I don't know if this is true, but according to the psychic, you can decide what you want to do with that information. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know what I would do with it, but that's different for other people. I mean, people sure. are different. So, but that's how it should be presented. You know, I, 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 I always try to say, well, this is the documentation I have about this sheet metal worker, et cetera, or whoever, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's always been one of the things I've, and this is a, 
this saving this for last was a was the reason I wanted to do that is to say that we have all these stories and all of these places that are you know throughout the city of Alton that have hauntings connected to them. But can we say for a fact that everything that ever you know has been reported there happened only if we have documentation of it? Mm-hmm. The rest of it needs to be presented the way that we do. Sure, the legend has it. Mm-hmm. Stories say. You know, that's 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 how that stuff needs to go. And I think that that's that was the main reason I wanted to save this to the end is to say the history is a little different than what you might have heard. And I think that's I think that's fair. I think that's responsible um, and intelligent. And then on the flip side, and a lot of people might not expect me to say this, but on the flip side, if three people independently tell me, hey, I saw a little girl run around the pool, like Mm -hmm. who am I to say like, no, you didn't. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. No, I feel the same way with you. Um, I mean, I can tell you, you know, I don't have a record of any of a little girl that died in this pool, but who knows, could have been somebody who just decided to come there because she loved it so much when she was a kid. That's, that's, I don't know, you know, but when three independent people tell me this story, and they can tell me, this is what they saw. And they can tell me the same thing other people told me that don't know each other have never met never Mm -hmm. compared notes. I'm gonna be more you know, convinced that there is a little girl haunting that place. Why? I don't know. Yeah. But, and we'll keep looking, you know, I mean, that's the thing about it being the mineral Springs I'm there all the time. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, we have a space there. So I am there all the time. So I don't give up on looking for stuff about the mineral Springs. You Mm -hmm. know, I've been through, you know, decades and decades of newspapers looking into the mineral Springs and I will continue to do so because New search uh, information is available, new criteria is available, new ways to search. And I'll keep searching, you know, because more things are going to turn up over time, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, we can we can add to the story. I wonder, too, like um, maybe I got so infatuated with the idea early on of, you know, traumatic history um, being a potential like cause for hauntings and stuff. And maybe I should be looking at it as more just like it could be intense history because it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily have to be negative, I guess. Right. And I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. Um, We talked about that some with some of our locations in in not only this season and or not only these Alton revisited stuff, but with some of our other episodes and seasons, too that a lot of times, you know, it seems that places become haunted because people just don't want to leave. Yeah. They loved it so much. Why go? If they don't have to, why go? Yeah. You know, so that could be a big part of it too. And when you're talking about hotels, again, you, you have to look at an old hotel or let's say, for example, let's look at a Hampton Inn located mm-hmm. along the interstate. Mm-hmm. It's open 365 days a year. Let's say it has 60 rooms in it. And let's say on the average, that out of those seven days a week, the hotel is, you know, let's say it's got 40 rooms that are filled on, on an average. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that per week, then you're talking about a lot of people coming through. And now you multiply that by 52 weeks out of the year, and you've got thousands of people. And this is just a chain hotel on the interstate. Imagine what it's like when you've got an old hotel like this with a hundred and some rooms. And it's been open, you know, it was open to the public for, you know, 50 years. And, you know, and think of all of the people that came through there and all of the things that had happened. So we've we've documented two suicides in the building, but there certainly could be more because that's not the kind of stuff you want to advertise. You know, if there were more deaths in the hotel and they may be out there and they may turn up at some point, who knows? But right now we know of two, both of which we talked about in this episode. 
And that's two out of, you know, the thousands and thousands of people, but still traumatic things happen in hotels all the time. You know, they all the time. That's where people go when they don't. That's that's why suicides happen in hotels because they don't want to do it at home. Yeah. And think of all the other depraved things people oh, do in hotels because they don't want to do them at home. Say listeners, so imagine yeah. the possibility for hauntings and trauma and energy left behind. So yeah. it's not a surprise that you've got this much activity around. Oh, yeah, of course. And same similar thing with, you know, schools and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. well, not necessarily the craziness, but so much emotion, so many people sure, going through there. Sure. Um, and yeah, listeners, just I know there's one or two of you at least just sit back, take a moment, think about some of the crazy shit you've done in hotels and then <laughs> you'll understand what we're talking about. Um, yeah, so the Lure Brothers um, and AF Rats, uh, the meatpacking industry is going well, but these guys were, I mean, at the end of the day, they're basically just businessmen, right? Looking for opportunities, yeah. entrepreneurs yeah. doing yeah. kind of whatever they can. And to to make money and they're they seem to be good at it yeah uh, they discover a spring build a hotel rat said he wanted to create a european experience at the hotel is that like the men's pool massage well, yeah, there was that yeah or... i mean that was part of it um but they wanted it in the design i mean uh-huh. it was uh, an italianate design which means that it you know it was supposed to look like a renaissance europe and I mean, when you go in now, that's not what you get from it, obviously. But if you go into the crystal room where we have our event space, take a look at that ceiling in there yep, and the yep. chandeliers and things. That's mm-hmm. that stuff's original. You know, there is there are pieces of this hidden throughout the uh, stained glass above some of the doorways and stuff. All of that was part of the original hotel. And that's how the whole place looked when it opened. And then, of course, there was the Turkish bath, which mm-hmm. was a European style design, you know. Um, this was something, you know, it was a steam room, rub downs, you know, uh, men being men, you know, manly yeah, yeah. men and, you know, in a, in a swimming pool kind of setting. And, you know, that wasn't even really available. That wasn't open to the public. I mean, it mm-hmm. was, but I mean, it wasn't open through the general part of the hotel. You came into that from the outside, but it was still part of the building. It was still part of the hotel. And even the swimming pool itself, I mean, the idea of coming and bathing in these waters, this is something they were doing in Switzerland and places in Europe before we were doing it here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once we started to uncover these mineral springs in the Midwest, you know, people kind of and coming at a time when, you know, snake oil salesmen were were all the rage where you could say anything about any kind of medicine and make any kind of claim you wanted. And so that fit right into the time period, just yeah, come, we're get rid of all your ailments with this water. And people ate that stuff up. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always joke with everybody and say, you know, there were people, especially with, you know, rheumatism and arthritis, that was kind of the main thing targeted by these things. Because if, if for those of you, anyone out there who's listening, who's ever suffered from arthritis, um, you know, that's not a, it's not an easily pain to get rid of. I mean, Mm. it's not. And that's why we've ended up with stronger and stronger pain medications and things that have caused their own problems over the years. But I I joke to people and say, well, you know, back then you could go into the pharmacy and buy, you know, opium and cocaine over the counter, but nobody didn't invent it in aspirin yet. So, you know, you see what I'm saying? So people are taking laudanum and stuff to to fight pain. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people didn't want to do that, especially when you had a natural, you know, cure. Mm-hmm. which, I mean, n- none of this stuff offered a cure. I mean, it was a treatment, but yeah. presented as a cure. Yeah. And then, of course, you have to come back. You know, yeah. it was all about, it was like 
Oh, I maybe shouldn't say it was like the chiropractor, but it's kind of like the chiropractor. Oh, I get it. I get it. The mineral springs were kind of like that. You're, it's going to go, your back's going to just be screwed up again in a couple of weeks. And you're going to have to go back. Yeah. So it's the same way with this stuff. You, you know, you go, you soak in these waters, you feel better. And then in a couple of weeks, you're creaky again. And you got to come back because how else are you going to fight it? Yeah. So it was a good thing for a lot of people. Sure. And it it offered an attraction to people around the area because indoor swimming pools were not a common thing in the Alton area when the hotel opened. And I'm, I'm sure I mentioned this, but it was the largest indoor pool in the entire state. Mm -hmm. And it is a pretty good sized pool. It is bigger yeah. than most hotels, you know, that you'd find yep. today. That's for sure. Um, so, you know, that was a bit of a novelty, too. But Again, you still had the the drawback of this water smelling like salt, rotten, rotten eggs, eggs yeah, you yeah. know, so that's a bit of a bit of a downer, you know, but, yeah, you know, it was a it was a novelty thing. And I think that they squeezed every bit of success out of it. They could. But, you know, for the first 10, 15 years or so, I think the place was tremendously successful. But mm -hmm. after, you know, you've got, you know. August Rats, you know, passes away after an operation. And then, you know, Herman passes away and August is stuck with a hotel that he doesn't know anything about running. No nor does he want to. And then he's got Herman's, you know, daughter coming in and her husband and all their kids coming in and running the place. And that's when Nepo babies uh, sometimes are a problem mm -hmm. uh, because they really didn't know what was happening right. at all. And, but, but even so you can't blame everything on them either because times had changed in Alton all yeah. the whole country really by that time, of you know, old hotels like that were, were down a downturn, especially in smaller towns. Yeah, And, you know, we had no big highways coming through Alton at this point. So everything was bypassing Alton. A lot of the factories and industries were gone now. And so, you know, it just it was an aging old building that is even today in our modern times, it's tough to heat. It's tough to cool. It's just tough to deal with. It's mm -hmm. a it's a big monster of a hotel and um, it's it's tough. Yeah, You know, and so they had a lot of strikes against them and eventually they failed. I mean, it was inevitable, really. So, well, no, I, I mean, that, that I think that's a very good explanation. Um, I could see even myself back then, like just just knowing myself, it'd be like, OK, so I can grab morphine over here for free. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll try this other thing because yeah. and then yeah. after if it didn't work after a couple of times, I'd be like, well, OK, I'm going to the pharmacy and just, yeah. You know, yeah. doing that. Um, is there any. I don't know if I don't know if you know this, but is there is there danger in ingesting water with that much sulfur? Like, well, I don't, I don't know how killed anybody, uh, but I mean, for the most part, you know, for the most part, people were were bathing in it. It was a you know they were soaking in a tub, uh, but yeah, they were they were bottling it for people yeah. to drink. It's like a hundred bottles but, a day, right? Yeah, like but oh yeah, like three hundred and fifty gallons a week. Damn. So, but I don't think that it was harmful. Um, because I mean, they would have had a much bigger problem on their hands, Probably, you know, yeah. and you know, they were selling it as, you know, a cure all to all kinds of things, including, you know, alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that it, I don't think it was dangerous. I, I don't know how much sulfur is okay. to. Have. I, I have no idea. Uh, I really don't, but I'm going to guess that it was at least purified enough that it wasn't killing people. Got it. I can imagine them testing it on like a neighborhood cat. 
Yeah, something. probably. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. Drink this. And if the cat doesn't die, we'll just go ahead and bottle it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I don't. I, I that's, could. That's the, I mean, I was funny, but no, so. no, I, I even wrote it down, too. I was like, if if it and I probably made this joke years ago, too, and I just don't remember it. But I was like, <laughs> if it was a drunk cure, they would have just kept it right there in Alton. And well, yeah. it would have been so it would have been gangbusters. Yeah, like, exactly. Would have helped. So, yeah. Um, OK, so, um, yeah, August Lurs kidnapped in 1933. He just talks his way out of it. Kind that's of. a whole, yeah, that's a whole thing in itself. I, uh, I could have gotten into that whole thing and really spun that out into, cause it's a pretty entertaining story. I mean, and I'm sure it wasn't entertaining to this guy cause he, you know, was a little worse for the wear when it was over, but basically um, he was kidnapped by a bunch of idiots mm-hmm. who had, you know, had picked up a detective magazine on the shelf and read about professional gangsters carrying out, ransom kidnapping and making a lot of money by kidnapping bankers and brewery owners and things and and they were i mean you know like the barker gang they were specializing in that every right. time so i'm sure they ran across a machine gun kelly story about a <laughs> kidnapping and thought oh we could do this yeah, i could do that complete morons so they they kidnap him they stick him in a hole underneath a smokehouse and leave him down there in this pit and then they <laughs> They try to ask for a ransom, but they're, they can't. The guy that sends the ransom notice is so illiterate that August's son couldn't even figure out the directions, even if he wanted to pay it. And, if, and, the, and the ransom just kept going down. Okay, well, we'll do it. How about if we do it for this? And eventually, August just talked his way out of it and said, Listen, man, I'm an old guy and I've got a bad heart and I'm hungry. Yeah. And I want to go home. And they're like, Okay, let's just let him go. And so, I mean, it was like, you know, it's it's more of a comedy of error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a you know a spine tingling you know crime story about right. a kidnapping. It's just it's just one idiot doing another idiotic thing after another, pretty much. So, uh, and, th- and think yeah. about the the guy writing. He was probably the best writer out of the group. <laughs> that's what I that's what I thought. Yeah. So he was probably the only one that knew how to write. And even that, it would probably have been better off if he just went ahead and put his name on it and said yeah. it because I'm sure that's probably the main thing he could write. Oh, well, the hotel eventually closes in 1971, sits empty for seven years. You said it had a nightclub in it in 1978? It had all kinds of stuff. Chinese restaurant. There were restaurants. There were stores. All kinds of stuff in there for a while. I remember and some there stores. Were, but but yeah. a lot of things in there. Yeah, but even, I mean, even I don't remember a lot of those. I, I got those from seeing newspaper ads mm-hmm. and having people tell me, oh, hey, check out this place. Check out this place. And, um, you know, like Laura Junk, who had been Herman's daughter, um, added that whole back section on, you know, where we have like Dead of Winter, that ballroom back mm-hmm. there. She wanted to try to turn the hotel into a convention center uh-huh. and took out a big bank loan and then defaulted on it. Oh, yeah, like half a million to pay it back. Yeah. Which was a lot of money in 1965. It's a but lot of money. Added now, all fuck. that on. Well, yeah, but and added all that on. So that area back there, they use that for restaurants and stuff. There's there's still a kitchen down there uh-huh. um, that's kind of hidden, you know, and a couple of places like that in the in there. And um, but yeah, so it, it just kind of, I mean, it was so many different things for a while, and I can remember there being a lot of different stores in parts of the building that aren't used at all anymore but i can remember when they were open it hasn't been that terribly long ago yeah uh, but yeah it, it's it's changed a lot over time well i remember um walking down there with uh charlie Brockus, who did, did some music for us and his, his mm-hmm. brother jack and um because that was one of the closest places to their house like and you know when you're like 
11 or 12 or oh, whatever. Sure. It's like, okay, you can, you know, go to the mall or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so we would go down there, we'd go to turn two and it was like a card shop and stuff. Oh, really? We'd, we'd buy yeah. like, yeah, um, hockey cards, baseball cards, sure. that kind of shit. Um, but I'm curious though, is, and I don't know exactly how much you'd know about this, but when you say they're added on the back part, was the Jasmine Lady staircase already there? Yeah, no, that was part of the hotel. Yeah, I mean, okay. that was all part of it. Um, when I'm talking about adding on to the back, I'm talking about where, like, the um, if you where that staircase is and you make a left mm -hmm. to back to that area, some of that stuff was already there, but not all of it. Got so it. they okay. added on added on that top part above the ballroom, the ballroom mm -hmm. itself, and some of the stuff that was underneath there. Okay. Uh, turned it into something else because it had been uh you know, there's a there's a ton of storage in that building. And mm -hmm. I've never I would love to take a trip back in time and find out what some of that stuff was used for. Yeah, because there are vast rooms down there that just have junk in them. Mm -hmm. So I finally figured out. Remember me telling that story that uh, I was I had gone down there and I found what looked like a 1970s steakhouse like all the furniture from one like blocky no like i don't medieval remember evil looking furniture i finally no. found out there used to be a york steakhouse at the Alton mall and that's exactly what it was wow. i finally figured it out and i would always go it reminds me of the old york steakhouse they used to have that was like a medieval theme and they'd have them in malls mm -hmm. i'm positive that's where that stuff came from but it's wow. still sitting down there it's still in the building just wow. kind of hidden away rotting covered in dust uh, but there's so much stuff in there that has been dumped in there over the last 30, 40 years mm -hmm. that may never see the light of day. I, I don't know. Wow. Uh, but it's it's I would just I would love to know what some of that stuff was used for mm -hmm. or, well, or I, what had been there at one time. Well, I remember I can't remember if it was a I think it was a ghost hunt, but I was there with Kaylin and who works, you know, helps with American Hongs a lot. And she and I were walking around and we we were downstairs. And then um, in the ballroom and we go to that door that's um, by the bathrooms. So it's always mm -hmm. closed. Mm -hmm. And we were trying to figure out where it kind of led to. And um, basically we went to the pool and kind of walked through one of the back and turn right. And eventually we were able to find how it connected. And right. I have, I have no sense of direction, but I would have never guessed or known where I was, I how that I any know. of that stuff. It's a massive place. It is and massive. It's... I mean, it, it, at one point, I remember being in the building. This has been what, maybe a couple of years after I moved to Alton. And uh, I had a buddy took was taking me through the building. And we went from one end of the block all the way to the other. Yeah. Through wow. the building. Now, some of that's not accessible anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I remember that. there was an archery range in there what it may still be there somewhere there was a bowling alley in the uh in the building where the parking garage is down at the end oh yeah yeah, yeah. used to it was the antique store for a while yeah there you was told a bowling me that alley yeah. in there uh we found a garage that was filled with, like somebody's classic cars that opened out onto front street yeah it was crazy wow and, but it's been years ago now but i i don't know what's left but there it's it is <laughs> building I, I there's no way for me to try to give you a visual on how for anybody how no. big this building is and it makes no I keep sense telling everybody it's massive and it's a maze it's a just a labyrinth and there are so many levels and so many big rooms and little rooms and hallways and dead ends and 
I mean, it's crazy. It's like Alton's version of the Winchester mystery house yeah, or yeah. something, you know, except it wasn't done on purpose to be confusing. It just became that way. It was hodgepodge you know, it's, together. It's like anytime you build anything on these bluffs, you know, anything to do with the bluff, it just goes out of hand and out of control. So well, I don't know. I was wondering, I was thinking about construction and stuff like that. I mean, that, I don't know the grade of the hill, but it's, it's steep. It's steep. And to have to build on all that shit. Like well, and I, the funny thing is, is that when you're, this is something I probably shouldn't tell people because it gives away some of the mystique but when you go into that hotel let's say that you come and you go on one of our ghost hunts and we take you down to the bottling plant where they used to bottle the water and stuff of all the levels on that building and how tall and how high it is and how many different areas that you pass through only one level one level is underground that's bizarre the rest of it is not I because it's built on that bluff. You yeah, would I wouldn't be able know. to tell. When you go down to that swimming pool, you it feels like a basement. You yeah. feel like you are underground. You're actually not. Now, there's some ground that you're level with because it's at an angle. Uh-huh. But you're not under technically underground until you go all the way down to the bottom floor. Wow. And that's something. Yeah, and it you is. you never know it. I know? wouldn't have been able to really guess like i said i, I yeah. spatial recognition stuff i know just, i can't i mean yeah. there was an elevator in there i can show you where the elevator was oh no shit um but yeah there's an elevator um until just a few years ago you could still get access to it down in the bottling area because uh-huh. they used to bring up water right from the right. bottling plant up to the the restaurant and up in the lobby and all that stuff yeah so there was an easy accessible with that elevator mm-hmm. and uh but it's and it went all the way up to the top floor. But now you it's if you, if you know where it is, you can see. Right. right but right. if you don't know where it is, you'd never know it was ever there. I mean, so. I get I get winded walking those stairs, <laughs> not carrying water. It's a so, climb. It yeah. is a climb. Those stairs are a climb. I will admit it. Uh, and if you haven't been and you're, you're thinking about going or whatever, I will say that 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 basement or sub basement, what the bottling plant, it is it's creepy. It's creep. It's a perfect it's place to creepy. get murdered. It's yeah, yeah it, is. it, it is. looks terrible. And that's, and you can still see kind of some remnants of the spring and stuff down there. Yeah. You can see where it was. It's been closed over, but I mean, the water's still there, but you, there's no access to the spring, but, and I think I've told you, and I've got pictures. Um, and I think maybe I've shown them to you before, but um, I had pictures in the early two thousands. There used to be a big water tank in there that hmm. was filled with water and that that was a holding tank. And then they would run a spigot off of it to fill up from the spring. Okay. And it was still sitting there. Wow. You know, 15, 20 years ago, it was still there. It's gone how, now, but it was still sitting there. How I've the hell did they get it out? I just probably tore it apart. Just okay. Took it apart. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, because it was, it was rough. I mean, it was in bad shape. Yeah. I mean, it was really bad. It was one of those things that you keep thinking, I'm going to be standing near that and it's going to explode and I'm going to get soaked, you know? <laughs> right. So yeah, it was like somebody's, uh, you know, out, out uh, above ground swimming pool, you know, mm-hmm. and they'd forgotten to put one of the supports in. That's kind of what it was. Oh like man. At this point. Starting to sag, rusty wood metal, you know? So, and when that. you're, when you're in the bottling plant too, the, um, the wooden things you see on the ceiling, you said that was like a conveyor system. Yeah. There were, there were racks for racks, racks for, for water. Yeah. Got so, it. Yeah, it was never for some reason. A, somewhere along the line, a story got and people started calling it a slaughterhouse, but it wasn't. Yeah, that uh, was the McDonald's, only, right? <laughs> yeah, that was down where McDonald's is. I mean, I've got pictures of that. I mean, I've, I've put pictures of it in the New Haunted Alton book uh, of the of the slaughterhouse down the street. I mean, it was an actual, you know, stockyard pens, 
slaughterhouse and mm-hmm. like you would still see today. Wow. Uh, but it was located just down the street. The only thing connected at all to the meatpacking industry where the hotel is, was the butcher shop that was on the street. And it was just a one level butcher shop right there on the street. And that's where they did their retail business for the meat that was processed down the street. And then the back part of the building was meant to be their ice manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And again, we, we had, I know we've talked about the ice man before and talked about how, you know, um, people had to have ice. So it was a great business to be going into because most people couldn't afford a refrigerator that, you know, had, and a lot of people didn't even have electricity back then. So you couldn't plug in your refrigerator. So you would get ice from the ice man. You put it in the ice top of the ice box and that's how you kept your food cold. So it went hand in hand with their meat business. I mean, obviously yeah. preserve the meat. Um, but then, you know, when they uncovered the spring, they let that property sit for like a year and a half, uh, because they didn't really know what to do with it. And yeah. it's not like they needed the money. <laughs> right. Know, these guys were loaded. So, uh, did he, uh, did the Iceman use those big tongs? Yes, Is it carry- yes okay. absolutely. So, I mean, you would get ice, like if you wanted ice for your drinks, um, you would get a block that you would chip up yourself. Mm-hmm. But normally the Iceman would bring in blocks that would fit. I, you probably, I don't know, you might've been in an antique store and seen a, an ice box. A lot of them, what they really are is kind of like a big insulated cooler mm-hmm. uh, with a door handle on it, usually made out of wood. They're pretty cool looking. And on top of it would be a slot that you would put your ice block into. And then as it slowly, it would slowly melt, obviously, but it would keep everything that was insulated in the in the box cool. So, uh-huh. you know, you could put your milk and your eggs and cheese, butter, all that stuff could go in there, just like we use one today. Except they, you know, once you ran out of ice, your food was going to spoil. So you had the ice man had to come back. But um, ice picks, you know, I mean, you've seen them in the movies. I'm sure yeah, yeah, people's yeah. eyes out or something. But yeah, um, that's what everybody had those. I mean, you had tongs, you had ice, you know, an ice pick. So you could bust it up and put ice in your drinks or whatever you wanted it for. So, I mean, it's I don't want to go back to that. Sure. Uh, but on the other hand, it is kind of cool. I mean, yeah. all it's, it is very cool. But I mean, I'll I'll stick with my. You know, yes, <laughs> my my oh, stainless yes. steel unit in the kitchen. I don't want to, yeah, one still. <laughs> one of the uh, one of the only things that works really well in my apartment is my ice maker. And oh, so yeah. now now when I'm somewhere else and it's like people are like, oh no, we got to wait a while. Or like I'm like, oh, yeah. I forget that mine actually just like really really yeah, works and it's, and it's taken for granted. Yeah, when I lived in Decatur, the the I had an ice maker and the ice would be yellow. Um, oh, it's boy. Decatur water, man. So, I mean, I always had a purifier on my sink yeah. and everything. Yeah. And it's like, I am not using this ice, no, even with no. a pure, it was still nasty. So I just turned it off and I would just buy bags of ice at the store. There's yeah. something I love about bags of ice anyway, but yeah, that was the nastiest water. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Uh, if anybody living in Decatur, <laughs> sorry. Well, they <laughs> already know, they know this. Yeah, they should. So I'm right. not telling them anything they don't know. So, oh, I was just yeah. thinking too, you said the ice pick stuff. I think. I think that isn't that what they use for like the first couple of like frontal lobotomies too. Like well, no, like it was they called it an ice pick lobotomy because the the tool looked kind of like an ice uh, pick. Ah, okay. It, it's a they were about and no one can see this. I mean, being visual right now, showing Cody how long these things are, uh, but they they had a, an end on it like a curve, um, and then had the long point, and then mm-hmm. you put it right here in the corner of your eye, yeah. And you had a little silver hammer that came with your little silver tool, mm. and you tapped, you tapped, tapped into your eye, and then 
you take the knob, the, the knob on the thing and uh -huh. then twist it and then twist it back. And that severed that nerve. Mm -hmm. And that's how you give somebody a lobotomy. And then, God. of course, it was supposed to correct their behavior. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it worked or it just turned you into a zombie more times than anything else. But yeah. back in the day when, you know, there wasn't, and listen, I'm not defending lobotomies here, sure. but I'm saying that this was developed because there was no medication for people. So you or I, we probably would have ended up with lobotomies if our family right. put us in a nut house. Sure. So, yep. um, yeah, so there was no way to correct our behaviors because we had no drugs. But then when the drugs came along, they just dope everybody up and turn them into zombies that way. So they're right. easier to handle in the hospitals. So uh. that's, yeah, don't even get me started on that whole thing <laughs> yeah. because that's a, that's a whole other thing. I, you know, one of the books I did was about haunted asylums, but I really go, you know, way off the deep end talking mm -hmm. about the, the again they all started with good intentions of course you know, yeah so as yes. we always say yes we are okay. way off i know i know here. yes i don't right, know yeah. what happened this is uh, i know, I know if people don't know alton they'll be like what the hell but i'm we wish time, no so. idea what we're talking about <laughs> um okay well, mineral springs a great big haunted building in town that's all you need to know yes right now. and so let's talk come, let's talk come visit us and you can see it so. yeah let's talk about some of the ghosts here so there's um there's was three different stories we're going to talk about um but um I think I've mentioned this before but I also wanted to bring it up um again just a uh, one time when I was uh, playing the caboose on one of Troy's uh, ghost hunts <laughs> in Mineral Springs basically just kind of following up behind it, it, uh, making sure nobody gets lost you can mention in one of the stories you had a guy kind of similar going off making sure people aren't mm -hmm. oh yeah getting, yeah we always have lost. a caboose while yeah. tours when we're in the hotel yeah or or wherever. Yeah. And so I got, I got to do that. And that was fun. And you told me at one point, you said, Hey, go open this door. Um, Cause we're going to go there next. And yeah. it's, it's very odd. You walk down this hallway and what looks like an apartment door is oh, in yeah, front was, of you. Yeah. That was part of the old. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's not, it's not like on the left or the right. It's in the middle of the hallway. <laughs> and so um, I opened the door and once you open that part, that the rest of the, the floor right there is is not for it's it's all kind of torn down and, and seen better better yeah days. it's just an empty it used to be hotel rooms and yeah. the rooms are still there doors still on them but there's nothing in them yeah and so i pretty I, torn up i push open this door and i push it against the wall and then i turn around and start walking back and the door just slams right behind me <laughs> and i was like oh god this is it like i'm gonna uh -huh. have i'm gonna have some encounter so i turn back and i'm like i'm gonna open this door i'm gonna walk through and be brave and I didn't, and I turned around and I hightailed it back to you. And I said, Hey, something just happened. I think it'd be a great time to like take people there now. So I showed uh, Troy, I think you even said like that I looked like wide as a you ghost. Did. Yeah, I you was, did. Yeah, was, you were really shook up. I was yeah. fucking terrified. And uh, so we we get back there and, and all I've ever wanted was to see a ghost. And I, as soon as I had the opportunity, uh, quote unquote, I <laughs> ran away. Um, and uh, I get back to the door. And I opened it up and then we realized that there was a um, like heating uh, uh, steel grate that had been. Yeah, it was it was a door to like an electrical panel. Yeah, some, some yeah it was a like door that. Had yeah. been taken. It was the metal door that had been taken off of an electrical panel. So, yeah, so so a heavy piece of metal. And <laughs> when I pushed it against when I pushed the door against the wall, I made that plate kind of fall off balance. And so it fell against the door and slammed, and slammed it. it shut. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> but you know that's yeah. that's uh i always i'm always looking for ways to debunk things but i was yeah, so happy yeah. i was like oh something uh, maybe happened yeah, and, this is it. No, it's just me um but okay so that, aside from that story so uh okay the, uh, the artist versus um the hotel bar i guess lm hardwood couldn't stop drinking 
and he's got some problems. Um, he has at least the wherewithal to write out some things about what to do with his body. It's it's always interesting. Yeah, when, there, but if you <laughs> the thing about it, and I, yeah. you know, I didn't I didn't get into like detail about the things that he wrote down, but really it was just letters to everybody about how life had treated him horribly and everything was everyone else's fault but his oh okay. i didn't i didn't get into all the details i got into it. it more in the book but the story was already long enough so i, I just it. wanted to make sure that you knew he left some letters behind and i figured we talk about it and i'd tell you about what a loser <laughs> this guy was well because I, so. I knew he left letters but i guess i didn't know the content yeah, of it yeah because I, I was always wondering i was like when people will do that sort of gesture but then they're like oh well now you got to clean up this fucking mess but now if yeah. he was kind of spiteful or mad at people yeah well he was kind of like you know he wrote one to the newspaper in his hometown and it was kind of like i know you're gonna think you're gonna say i'm a coward and all these things but you didn't have to deal with what i had to deal with wah, wah, wah. it was kind of like that kind of uh, thing. and it's like unfortunate oh, man <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah. like like life sucks for a lot of people and also mm-hmm. i don't really mind talking about this stuff this way because this was over 100 years ago yeah, so we're, we don't yeah really... i don't yeah i think we're okay i so. think the statute of limitations on yeah, comedy yeah, is uh, yeah. good <laughs> I, I i did find it funny um not funny i always find it interesting as far as methods of people taking their own lives and stuff and shooting yourself in the chest that just never seemed like an option no it doesn't to me either but you know what uh it's it's amazing uh, between you know late 1800s and early 1900s how many people did and that's how billy limp shot himself yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, which is why like why does that seem like a good idea I don't, is it? I, I mean, mean, you've got that hard bone right there. I mean, I they say even putting the gun up to your temple mm-hmm. is a bad idea oh, because yeah, the bullet, this way. yeah, the bullet can just like rip through your skin if it's not heavy in a caliber and skate all the way around your skull and hit right. somebody else yeah. instead of you. Or just um, blow so your that eyes out. seems like a bad idea, but maybe, uh, I, I mean, yeah, I guess I really haven't studied Methods, <laughs> yeah, um, or exactly I, I'm afraid what's to happening. It. Are they shooting between their ribs? It seems unlikely to me. That yeah, be that targeted, but uh, well, apparently it worked. So you know. I mean, maybe people want open caskets or something. Or <laughs> maybe like, you don't. You don't want their face, you know, all messed up. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Um, yeah. So I always thought that was weird, but um, it it this is like a perfect example just of kind of how the um, the history versus the hauntings and how they kind of start to blend together over time to make a mm-hmm. good a better story about sure, the, the sure. artist you know or at least one that makes sense to people because yeah. they don't have any and I'm always explaining that to people now well why would they make up a story I said well they weren't really making up a story they were just trying to explain the things that was ha- that, that were happening to mm-hmm. them and that seemed like a possibility you know it's the old bar there's a mural on the wall and it made sense you know they didn't have access to any kind of records or i mean the newspapers and we've discussed this a million times when i started out how you had to look for stuff in the newspapers how are you going to track that down i mean how how do you go to the library and go i need to i'm going to go through every microfiche from the alton telegraph and find out if someone died in this bar it, it would take you years right. to do that. So, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense as yeah. far as, you know, to try to blame them for this. All you can say is that they didn't have the, the access and it made sense to them at the time. Yeah. And I think, I think that, a lot of stories get started that way. I there's mean, a, there's, there's a, a difference. lot of stuff done there's that a, way that made sense to the people at the time. And there's a difference too, I think, between 
making something maliciously and being, and being mali- exactly yeah. that's the yeah. word i was going to use i think yeah. i would have wanted your job back in the day and i would have gone to the library once and been like fuck it i'm joining the military <laughs> like i don't have time it, it, it wasn't this. fun yeah it wasn't yeah. fun i mean i when i first started that's how i had to find stuff Man. you know and you had to have some kind of dates you had to have something to go by or you were out of luck there's just no way yeah they don't keep the library open long enough to do, right uh, to do that so right and he'd be like nobody ever really wants to see these so like maybe we'd lose <laughs> yeah. them or like yeah. yeah god um okay the swimming pool we talked about it a little bit we can just touch on it again but clarence blair um i'm glad you made the joke about the swimming lesson so i didn't have to yeah yeah um, well and but- i make that one quite a bit on the tours i always talk about you know he <laughs> oh. signed up for swimming lessons which he failed it's you know just, i yes. mean it's it is and it's it's unfortunate but on the other hand though um you know yes we laugh and we talk about and I, and I you know i talked about some of the stuff that we'd seen and i think that there's a lot going on in that pool mm-hmm. um as far as hauntings go but i do think that one of the prominent ghosts who haunts that pool is is clarence i mean he yeah. is a documented death that happened there and when there have been these sightings of people, they seem to be out of place. Mm-hmm. You know, when that sighting happened that that time on the tour, and I didn't get into great detail about it, but there were other guests who were there. It wasn't just Steve. It wasn't mm-hmm. just my friend walking around looking for this guy who vanished. Other people saw him too. And uh, I always I always tell everybody that I I like to think it's Clarence mm-hmm. because I mean here's a guy grows up. Let's say he grows up in Granite City, which, you know, nowhere I'm already Illinois. feeling bad for him. Yeah. I grew up in Decatur. That's as bad. And so, you know, here's a guy who grew up in Granite City, who's a sheet metal worker, who probably never, I bet he probably, if he ever left the state, it might have been to go over to St. Louis one time or something. Yeah. yeah. So here's a guy never really got out much, didn't have much of a life because he died so young. But now, a hundred years later, people are still talking about him. Yeah all the time on an almost nightly basis, let's say in October, but at least every weekend. So he's got all these people that come in 50, hundred people come into that swimming pool and talk about Clarence. I'd hang around. I'd, I'd want to hear, I'd want to hear my story. You know, Alexander Hamilton, who's going to tell my story. Well, mm-hmm. I'll tell it for Clarence anyway. So, you know, um, but I, I, I mean, uh, you know, that's, I'm sure wishful thinking, but even so I like to think it's Clarence. I, well, I, I like that. Be- there. I like that because I hadn't really thought of that before, but it's like, and now I'm getting into what psychology of ghosts and stuff, but why would I think that, <laughs> why would I think their egos would be any different than ours? And like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, again, I would, it goes back to that personality thing, yeah. right? If somebody's an asshole when they're alive, their ghost is going to be one too. So uh-huh. if it's, if, if that's what we believe, if a ghost is a personality, why wouldn't Clarence just be, you know, the same guy he was this yeah. young guy that, you know, gets jazzed up because people want to talk about him. I mean, you know? I, I would do the exact same thing. And I swear, I'd probably be like, hey, shut up, shut up. This is the good part. This is the good part. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, to yeah. all the other ghosts that are there. You yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> um, or like if people are like talking too much or whatever, and maybe like, you know, push them in the back of the knee or something. Like, yeah, like, well, hey, it's, pay I'm attention, Troy. About the 10th time I made the joke about, you know, he failed his swimming lessons. Maybe he's laughing now. He might not have been at first. That's true. You might <laughs> yeah. have been at risk. I might have been at risk. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I've been I've been to the pool oh dozens of times, and I've been with groups. I've been with um, just one other person multiple times. I've been completely by myself, um, even just sitting in the dark, just to like see what mm-hmm. would happen. And um, it just 
nothing nothing's happened to me personally but it is creepy as shit yeah. and it's really cool too it's aesthetically like perfect like horror movie type setting looking in, when you're in there's, the pool. Yeah, there was a, there was a fire down there in 1961. Mm -hmm. I, I I knew there had to be a reason for why it looked so bad. Yeah, because everybody talked about. I and mean, we can't find any. That's the one thing that bugs me. I um, I've been finding some postcards and I've been finding some some images of the Mineral Springs from the past. You know, I've got the Crystal Room. I've got the hotel. Um but I can't find any pictures of the swimming pool. I still haven't been able to find mm. it. I'm still looking, but I haven't found any, but everybody, all the descriptions of it in the newspaper stories and everything were, it, it made it sound so cool. I and, bet it was gorgeous. It, it should be because that's, you know, that was the reason people were coming there. So they really must've put a lot of effort into it. I just, I can't prove it mm -hmm. at this point. So I keep hoping that I'll find something, but um, you know, I would love to know, I, I was curious as to how it went from what it was described to what it is now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, apparently there was a fire and it did a lot of damage. Somebody tried to set the building on fire. Three fires started in three strategic locations. That's, oh, that's shit. when you call, that's when your insurance company, uh, -huh. uh smells, <laughs> smells yes. trouble. Yes. Um, but anyway, the fires didn't, I mean, I don't know how you burn that place down. I mean, I, it's. Especially the lower parts of it, it's like all concrete, man. Yeah. It's all stone. But anyway, but that's that's why there's the that blacking on the walls and the mm -hmm. it's gone and stuff. So that explains a lot of it. But you know, it's it's still a cool. It's definitely got an aesthetic to it, a, a horror film aesthetic. Yeah, it's, yeah. It reminds me of like the the bathroom from Saw. That's what exactly what yeah. I was thinking. That's exactly what <laughs> I was thinking. There was still a couple of guys chained to the wall in there. I would go, oh, yeah, okay, this was where yes. that was filmed. So or down in the swimming pool. Yeah, yeah kind of cool actually. So it's that's not <laughs> not a bad if you're doing an indie horror movie. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah let us know. <laughs> also, if you are a door enthusiast, um, the pool is pretty cool. Yeah, there's, 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 surrounded doors by doors down, so, yeah. <laughs> some of them were pretty yeah. cool yeah um okay so uh the last one uh, the jasmine lady so you talked about this and you talked about pearl um i was there for pearl's nephew um this is yeah. with this story so i can back yeah. up everything troy's yeah. saying it was um it was very not intense um but i mean i could feel his yeah oh, his yeah. genuine guy, emotions yeah. you know he really was yeah he he was really he was nostalgic and that it became you know really intense because it was something he was like reliving yeah you yeah. know i mean it was right in front yeah, of us. i mean and you get it i mean this guy this was a guy who when he was a kid this was a, like one of the most important people in his world who just suddenly was gone one day you know and when you're seven or eight years old you don't get it uh -uh. You know, and it, it wasn't in for 50, no, probably more than that, probably 60 years before he finally got up the nerve to come to the mineral mm -hmm. to see where she died, you know, and um, yeah, it was uh, it was intense, but it was also, you know, <laughs> for a guy who didn't know anything about the building, didn't know mm -hmm. anything about the hotel. Um, it was pretty impressive when he comes up with something that we'd been wondering about for years. Yeah, yeah. Was, there was something kind of uh, like beautiful about it and maybe how it, I, I hope it kind of helped him kind of like, I think we yeah. were watching a lot of years of maybe PTSD or trauma or something yeah. kind of get washed yeah. away yeah. a little bit. So. Yeah, it was, it was an experience. I'll tell you that. And if you, mm -hmm. if you, if you have, get a chance to go to Pearl's room, there's a room that's connected to it, but the walls aren't exactly there. So you can just kind of walk through the rafters. Right. Um, right. And I know people have spotted things in corners and things, and I'll tell you, mm -hmm. it's a weird, uh, it's a weird spot. And it's so it's a different. weird corner of the building. 
yes. it really is the whole and it, corner. And it's so it's so different, or it's so interesting to me too. Um, and I've talked about this before, but I haven't Googled it enough or had a scientist explain it to me. But just being in the 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 meatpacking spot and then or or you know down below and then in the pool and then in Pearl's room, like I don't know if it's atmospheric pressure, if it's humidity or whatever, but every place feels very different. Mm-hmm. Like I can't mm-hmm. really explain it. That's true. It just it feel they all feel different, and I don't exactly know what I mean when I say that. But if if you go through those places, I think you'll understand what it is I'm talking about. But I right. I don't know what it is that's changed, but something is different on each part. Um, it's it's very it's very interesting. And then there's a lot of the upstairs around Pearl's uh, room and stuff that I'll go through every now and then. There's some places um you can, can't exactly go, but the rest of it's also super creepy and dark. Yeah, it it's is dark as hell. It is. Yeah, I mean it's you know you go down these hallways and they are old hotel room hallways. Yeah, and they're old hotel rooms. They just are empty. So, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, you you can still see them, and you know some of that stuff has been closed off, and then but and you just move a board out of the way, and yeah. then you're in another part of the hotel. Yeah. You're like what the hell? You we know? don't suggest so, you do that, but, but no, yes. but you know it's uh, it's, we've, we've it's been there. there. So yes. <laughs> yeah, so I would say if you're if you're coming to Alton and you're interested in any of this stuff, Mineral Springs would be the number one place I would say to yeah. go. It's the, before, definitely the most accessible place. I mean, yeah, you know, yes. it's cool. It's it's great to get to visit the like the McPike Mansion or something, but. There's not a lot of it you can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mineral Springs, the opportunities are there to see a lot more of it. Yeah. And that uh, that is a lot of fun. And so. yeah, and you'll walk in the front doors and you'll be like, and you'll listen to our podcast. You'll walk in the front doors. You'll be like, <laughs> what the hell? And yeah. just wait. Just yeah. wait. Yeah. It'll, you just have to wait. It will change. Um, <laughs> oh, man, dude, we got through an entire Alton yep. season again. Yep. yep. Look at sure that. Did. I know. That. I know it. Look at us. We're uh, <laughs> overworked idiots, but this was, no, this is great. <laughs> we did it to ourselves. Um, but that's all I got, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. What a, you got anything else to talk about? No, I, I mean, mean, the only thing I could add is that now, if you're going to be sad that you're not going to have this extra show that you should ge- get onto our Patreon, mm-hmm. uh, then you can have an extra show every week. Um, now that the Alton season is over, you could get in on, well, we have three seasons of different shows that you probably haven't heard mm-hmm. on our Patreon. We're in the middle of our third season, but we have two others. Um, and those are a little different than these. We do our Patreon shows with, um, it doesn't have the conversation at the end, but Cody's part is he puts in, he does all the editing, does all the music, and I put him through his paces coming up with sound effects. So it's, we have a lot of effects. It oh, makes man. it a little more of a dramatic uh, yeah. kind of show but it's each um each each season is its own story and we are right now in the middle of our uh one we call sinister uh and it's a story of h.h H. holmes the the serial killer and um it's uh it's been a lot of fun and it's going to be a long season yeah uh, but uh anyway my point is is that if you are thinking wow i'm going to miss having an extra show you can have one every week so just go to patreon.com and then slash american hauntings and uh, you can sign up for that for a very small fee yeah, uh, and pay once a month. It's less than a cup of Starbucks. Yep. So to just to hear the show. So and you can get other things, too. But it, let's say if you just want the podcast. You can do that, too. So yeah. anyway, guys, thanks so much. And uh, thanks for sticking with us for uh, another revisit to Alton. I don't know that we'll ever have another one, but it was fun. <laughs> it was uh, fun. To do, uh, to do once more. So. Yeah, uh, we'll just continue on with uh, the other uh, the other shows that we do. Yeah, and I, I think um, if you're one of the people that likes that the podcast is split up 
because you don't want to hear me. Patreon's a pretty good spot. But also, um, before we started doing these kind of series, we would just put random stuff on Patreon. Yeah, that's so, like, true. I have some like I have some interviews yeah. with like people that have done some movie stuff, or like Troy and I have talked about. Um, we'll we'll talk yeah, about different yeah, yeah. random ghost stories. So there's a lot yeah, of stuff on the some, back. Uh, some additions to some of our seasons yeah. too, like the Hollywood season. There were um, there was a, a bunch of additional shows that I did, mm-hmm. that were just kind of short pieces that we added in. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, know, and I think you, you did some stuff like, didn't you like a, do like a D.B. Cooper one or something? Like, like I don't, random yeah, there's short different stories ones on stuff. there. There was just a bunch of different stories. So there there are, gosh, I forgot about all those. There's a lot of so weird stuff So not only do we have there. three seasons, we still got a bunch of extra episodes. Yeah, too, so. the Hodge Anyway, yeah, stuff. so check it out. So Yeah. All right, man. Well, for the last time for this one, uh, <laughs> this episode of the American Hauntings podcast was written by Troy Taylor, and it was produced and edited by me, Cody Beck. We hope you've enjoyed this return to Alton podcast and will be with us as we present 10 episodes. Well, or as, as we, we presented, presented, <laughs> presented yeah, now, we, we could have changed that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the history hauntings, legends, lore from one of the most haunted small towns in America. Thanks for listening. We couldn't and definitely wouldn't and probably won't again do it without you. <laughs> uh, so until next time, goodbye. So long. See you later. We'll see you later. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I think this was a good idea. Uh, it's a lot of fucking work. Yeah. Let's just not do it again. Yeah. So.